Good afternoon, Tiger Town, and welcome to a new edition of Tiger Cats in 10. I am Josh Smith of Three Down Nation and Podskiwiwi. Before we get to what is happening with your Hamilton Tiger Cats, I would like to take a moment and apologize for the lack of episodes over the last week and give an explanation as to why the show went dormant when there actually was quite a bit of news to discuss. As most of you are probably aware already, I have taken on a larger role at Three Down Nation. And while that has allowed me to do things I normally couldn't, such as attend many Ticats training camp sessions, which we will get to later, it has taken up a larger portion of my day than I anticipated. Do not fret, however. Things are going well, but I'm trying to find the right balance at the moment between work and free time, and that is certainly still a work in progress. But fear not, Ticats and 10 isn't going anywhere, and I hope to get back to a more regular recording schedule for these shows going forward. With all that said, today is Wednesday, May the 25th, 2022, and here's what is happening with your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Let's start with the giant elephant in the room, and that is the current situation regarding the collective bargaining agreement between the Canadian Football League and the Canadian Football League Players Association. The players soundly rejected the offer that was accepted by the CFLPA bargaining committee last week that ended the strike and allowed the remaining seven teams to begin training camp last Thursday. Some of the sticking points seem to have revolved around the ratio, the lack of a ratification bonus, and that convoluted 49% rule regarding American players and Canadian players, which, quite frankly, I don't even understand fully myself. As of this recording, the CFL has sent what they are saying is their final offer to the Players Association that has added a ratification bonus, eliminated the 49% rule, but has reduced the ratio from seven starting Canadians down to six. The league has set a deadline of 12 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday for the Players Association to accept this offer. If that doesn't happen, things could get really ugly really quickly. Mike and I will talk more in depth about this on this week's episode of Podskiwiwi that we plan on recording on Thursday. Moving on, however, to what everyone really wants to hear about, and that is Tiger Cats training camp. I personally was at the first four days of training camp last week and have a few observations I'd like to share. The first one being there is a different vibe around this team this year. As we all know, Jeremiah Mazzoli and Brandon Banks are gone, and you could feel it a little, especially on day one. But make no mistake, this is Dane Evans' team. He has full control of this squad and has really stepped up as a leader, as you can see him helping guys when they come back to the huddle and drills and such, pointing out mistakes and and coaching them up on the sideline. You can really, really tell that this Ticats team is now Dane Evans' team. Tim White has been the MVP of camp so far. He has been consistently winning his one-on-one battles and catching almost everything thrown his way during 12-on-12 drills. He looks poised for a massive season in 2022. Braylon Addison is Braylon Addison. Any concerns that the injuries from last year have slowed him can be erased from your worried ledger, Ticats fans. Braylon has been solid, and he will easily get back to the 2019 version of himself. I have also been really impressed with Canadian receivers Tyler Tarnowski, Tyler Turner, and Keontae Smith, as well as American receivers Anthony Johnson and Andrew Boston. The secondary is as loaded as you think. Everyone has gotten time with the starting unit. I genuinely do not know who the starting secondary will be, but Richard Leonard has been one of the biggest surprises in camp for me. I didn't think he played particularly well in Calgary last season, and I don't know if he was miscast in that system or what, but I thought prior to last Thursday that Leonard would be the odd man out, and he has maybe been the best DB that I saw at training camp. 
Alden Darby also has come as advertised. He had two interceptions on back-to-back throws during 12-on-12s on Friday against one of the two rookie quarterbacks. Unfortunately, I can't remember which one. But his anticipation and burst towards the ball on those two interceptions was incredibly impressive. Alden Darby, who was already a fan favorite, is going to be an even larger fan favorite if he continues to make plays on the field for the Tiger Cats this upcoming season. Now let's move on to talking about lineups, because I know you are dying to find out who has been lining up where. During the days I was there, and take into account that injuries have played a part in this, and we will talk about the injury situation with the Tiger Cats in a second, this is what the starting offenses look like. Obviously, Dane Evans has been the number one quarterback. We've had Don Jackson at running back with a surprisingly healthy dose of Wes Hills, who is another player that I think has looked good when given some reps. Steven Dunbar has played at boundary receiver with Tim White and Braylon Addison occupying two of the slot back positions. But there has been a lot of alternating with two Canadians in the starting lineup between David Ungerer III, Tyler Ternowski, and Lamar Durant all getting time with the starters at least until Ternowski was injured on Sunday. More on that in a bit. The offensive line is where the biggest question marks come in, and injuries have also wrecked havoc on us knowing who's going to be where with with this unit as well. What I've seen, the offensive line is being Travis Vornkall and Kyle Saxlid at the two tackle spots, Brandon Revenberg and Jesse Gibbon at the guard spots, and Coulter Woodmansey at center until he was injured on Saturday and replaced by free agent acquisition Alex Fontana. Now there are some things we have to take into consideration when discussing the offensive line. Firstly, Chris Van Zyl's name didn't come up, and that's because he has yet to practice. Van Zyl was placed on the injured list at the start of camp and has been in shorts and a t-shirt all four days that I attended. Would Manzi's injury in camp also complicates things? He was running with the starting unit at center, but and what looks like a leg injury has taken him out of the running there, at least for the time being. He was on crutches on Sunday. We know Van Zyl will start at right tackle when he's back healthy, so it is really hard to kind of get a read on what the starting line will look like when everyone is back at 100%. Flipping over to the defensive side of things, the defensive line has been pretty consistent since day one, with one huge exception. When training camp began last Thursday, the line was Julian Hauser and Canadian Mason Bennett at the two end positions, with Micah Johnson and Dylan Wynn occupying the two tackle spots. But unfortunately, Hauser was injured on day one, and I didn't see him participate in any of the drills after that. For the most part, he has been replaced by second-year Ticat Malik Carney. But the key thing to look at here is that it looks like Bennett, the Canadian, is in line to replace Jaguar Davis, and a name you didn't hear me mention, Ted Laurent, looks like he's not going to be a starter this year. The linebacking core is as expected, with Simone Lawrence and Jovan Santos-Knox holding down the Will and Mike spots, and Cam Kelly getting the majority of reps at Sam, with Alden Darby thrown in there as well. The secondary has been mostly Jamal Roll at boundary corner, Alden Darby at boundary halfback, Tunde Adelike at safety, Richard Leonard at field halfback, and Siante Evans at field corner. Where does that leave Cariel Brooks, you might be asking? While this isn't confirmed, I think Brooks might be dealing with an injury. When I was down at McMaster, he was participating in some of the group work, but I didn't see much of him during any sort of the team-wide drills, like the one-on-ones with the receivers or the 12-on-12 drills. Brooks's injury is a situation worth monitoring going forward. Now we move on to special teams, and this has been rough. The good news is Craig Butler has done an excellent job as the team's new special teams coordinator, taking over for the departed Jeff Reinbold. And aside from Poppy White as returner, though, I don't know if we'll have any idea what the Ticats will do at either kicking position until the regular season. The team released Dante Brown earlier today to make room for global punter Blake Hayes, 
Brown struggled mightily, lacking any sort of consistency by missing multiple field goals and shanking a couple of punts. Tyg Leader has boomed some nice punts himself, but his place kicking has been spotty and Michael Domagala has been Michael Domagala. To say I'm still very worried about the team's kicking game is maybe a drastic understatement. And lastly, we have to talk about injuries because while it hasn't been a huge story at camp, there are some worth keeping an eye on. We know Van Zyl hasn't been practicing because the team announced that. But as I have said, I also think Cariel Brooks is dealing with a knock and Coulter with Menzie spent all of Sunday's session with his knee wrapped and on crutches. Sean Thomas Erlington also got hurt on Saturday and was in street clothes for the second half of practice that day and all day on Sunday. He, like with Manzi, had his knee wrapped and you could tell by the look in his face that he wasn't happy. I gotta be honest with you, I would not be surprised if there was a long-term issue here. And maybe the most unfortunate injury of camp was the one suffered by second-year Canadian receiver Tyler Tarnowski, who was probably number two behind Tim White on my training camp offensive MVP ballot, if such a thing existed. Tarnowski looked great with a capital G for the first three days until he came off at one point holding his shoulder and collarbone area on Sunday. I have been informed that Tarnowski was in a sling on Monday, so this doesn't look good. I truly hope this is only a minor injury because he looked excellent almost any time he was targeted, and I think he had a legitimate shot to crack the starting lineup had he stayed healthy. All in all, I mostly liked what I saw out of the entire team during the sessions I attended. The kicking game is still an issue, and I'm not sure what the actual makeup of the starting offensive line will be, but aside from that, the team looks solid. We will all get to see the Ticats in action this Saturday to give everyone a better look at what this team will look like when the 2022 season gets started when they host the Montreal Alouettes at Tim Hortons Field in the first of two preseason contests. The Ticats will end their preseason schedule on Friday, June the 3rd in Guelph against the Toronto Argonauts. The Ticats will then kick off their regular season in a potential Grey Cup preview against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at Mosaic Stadium on Saturday, June the 11th. That is a wrap on this edition of Ticats in 10. For all your up-to-date news and analysis on the Hamilton Tirecats and the Canadian Football League, head on over to 3downnation.com. And don't forget to tune into Podski Wee Wee this week, where myself and Mike Graham will be discussing the latest CBA drama, and we will go even further in-depth on what I saw at training camp. And I believe we may even have another edition of the Podski Mailbag coming this week, so you don't want to miss out on that. For 3 Down Nation and Podski Wee Wee, I'm Josh Smith, and this has been Ticats in 10.